welcome to the Trail to Austin. A chance to get to meet the people of Austin and find out how they became the people of Austin. We're recording again at the New World Deli at 4101 North Guadalupe in the heart of Austin, Texas. And I'm your host, Bob Morse, and as always, my co-host, Joel McCall. As always, hello, Bob. Hello, Joel. Well, it's a, what, a 50-degree temperature swing since our last uh, meeting? Back and forth. Yes. Back and forth. So, as they say, just wait. Yep. So, uh, interesting guest we have today. Um, the guest is our host, the the owner of the uh, New World Deli here, uh, Greg Bontempo. Hello, Bob. Hello, Joel. Hello, Hello Greg. Greg. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, so actually, thank you for having us. Okay, for welcome. letting us use your electricity and uh, two of your four tops. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Look forward to it. So, um, one of the things you've heard us talk about about the uh, New World Deli here is that they showcase live music seven days a week, um, and of course they make some good sandwiches, which you've heard a number of guests allude to over the uh, over their different things. So, how did you get in the deli business? Well. That's a good question. Um, I grew up in it, and I attempted to escape, was captured, and have uh, never looked back. So you grew up back east somewhere? Right? I grew up in New Jersey, a little hamlet called Chatham, New Jersey, incorporated in 1715. Okay, and so give us the path from... New Jersey to Austin, Texas. All right. Uh, while I was in high school, I worked at a deli. My father owned a butcher shop, which was next door. So that's how my introduction to the deli business. I graduated from high school, had no idea where I was going or what I was doing. And on the way to nowhere, I decided I would go to school because everyone else was doing it. It seemed like a great idea. <laughs> And I attended this two-year um, county college in New Jersey and really got into school. I would never have been much for school, but I really got into it. And one of my professors had a sister that went to the University of Texas. So when I graduated from there, I came down here on a wing and a prayer, literally lo- loaded up my VW camper bus and headed on off to Texas. Never been here before. Wow. It just sounded like a good place. Well, it sounded like better than a lot of other places. You know, again, I really can't say how I decided on it, but when I did, it was just kind of, you know, when you're young, you don't really think a whole lot about all the potential disasters you're walking into. And again, I'd never been to Texas, never mind Austin. So coming in Austin, it it turned out... Worked out quite well for me. So what year was that? That was in 1980. Okay. So what was what did you think of Austin when you first got here, having never seen it before? Well, my first experience driving in Austin, Texas, was coming in on I-35, the overpass. Mm-hmm. And the University of Texas Stadium was there. The, the 40 acres was not quite as big as it is now. But my first experience was passing a pickup truck where a gentleman was driving with a Lone Star in his hand, and he had a 
shotgun in his gun rack. Now, this is about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It was eh, normal. Exactly. Well, maybe for you, but back where I come from, that person would have been pulled over, arrested, and, you know, that just doesn't happen in New Jersey. So that was my welcome to Texas moment. I'm not in Kansas anymore. I'm not in New Jersey anymore, as it were. So, yeah, that was uh, that was an eye-opener. But Well, back in 1980, I understand it was state law to drive with a Lone Star at least between your legs, if not in your hand. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that, that yeah. particular statute. Well, it was sometime in that late 80s or something like that that they banned open containers for the driver, like, right? Yeah, it was like 1990, and it was just for the driver. Right. You could hand it to the passenger. <laughs> and that was that was what you would do. You'd be driving along, yeah. get pulled over, hand it to the passenger, as long as you didn't blow. Well, that, they weren't even doing breathalyzer. No, no. they just say, what are you boys up to? How you all doing? And, you know, yeah. on, your, on your merry way. Well, most of the time, if they found you drunk, they would escort you home. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was another one of those perks in Austin, yeah. you know, the police escorts. So you wound up going to school here, um, getting your degree, and then from there? Well, that's uh, graduated, uh, did a short stint in a uh, with a Swiss pharmaceutical company. I got into pharmaceutical research. That's what I went to school for. Hey, I realized very very quickly that that wasn't really for me, and I traded in formulas for recipes, and I opened up a, a restaurant because it was the easiest thing for me to do. I just needed to do something, and I needed a job, so I kind of created my own. Okay. Okay. So you just you say you just opened a restaurant. It, it seems that would be a little more complicated. Well, you know, it seems like it should be, but sometimes it's not. Okay. I got involved actually with a restaurant group where I was an owner-operator. And then from there, a friend of mine wanted to open a jazz club on Congress called Kevy Chase. And he was trying to work through that, and they were having some issues. So I kind of came in as a consultant but then ended up actually operating it for him. And that's um, that's a whole no- that's another story, but um, we can talk about that at some other point in time. But it was a very successful jazz club. We used to have really nice acts. It was right across the street from the Paramount Theater. And we had an upstairs that was emulated by um, Mark Katz when he opened up his moments. Yeah, he came over. He'd be in there at night and checking the place out. And then, you know, less than a year went by and he opened up that place. Top of the Mark, was that first? It was Top of the Mark. Yeah, Top of the Mark, then it became Momos. Momos, yes. So, Kevin Jays, was that... Where the original Waterloo was on Congress? No. Across from the parent? All right. No. I don't believe so. I don't really know the history of that. It may have been a little earlier. So, you know, where do we go from there? This was the mid-'80s, mid to late-'80s, and the Austin economy was really not happening. I mean, they were, um, they were for lease signs on about every third building downtown. And uh, we were doing quite well, and... Uh, we had uh, some issues, and again, don't want to really get into that right now, but uh, we decided that it was probably best that we shutter the place, just along with everyone else. And at that point in time, I had a business opportunity in Los Angeles, which I went out. It has nothing to do with food and beverage. But while I was there, of course, I started doing restaurant consulting work. I got hired on at a restaurant, 
worked for them for a couple of years, and then I was approached by someone that wanted to open up an Italian restaurant in Hollywood, across the street from the Paramount Studios. And I did that for a couple of years. Decided L.A. wasn't a place to really raise a family. After going through a couple of earthquakes, a couple of fires, mudslides, two riots, and just didn't seem like a real stable place. <laughs> and maybe that's why we see so many California tags here. I don't know. Well, it was interesting to see how the other half lived. And it was a really beautiful place. There's no doubt about it. We lived in uh, Santa Monica. And, but we just decided we needed to come. My, my Here's another aside. My wife's father passed away. And we decided we wanted to be closer to family. So we came back to Austin. This is where the rest of her family was. And when we hit ground, we just looked around for a place to open up a, a spot. And we just opened up a restaurant. Yeah, it was, so that, it was that easy back then. Yeah. So that was, you said you've been here in this spot 27 years? 23. 23. Okay. It feels like 27. Okay. Like 47. For those of you who don't know, this is actually a pretty sweet spot. It's just north of campus on the main drag for campus. Um, and there's a hospital right down the road, which obviously has a lot of people, you know, around in the area and stuff like that. So it's, it's really kind of a, sweet location for a restaurant and it was a good choice well it it seems like it was um it was a defunct coffee shop i met with the gentleman who was trying to get out of his lease and uh, very nice guy his name was uh joel bible and his parents were running it but joel was a teacher in the movie industry and he wasn't here and his parents were getting up there and uh we came in and we came into an agreement the interesting thing was Joel Bible <clears throat> already had music going on here. He had a couple of gentlemen doing an open mic on Tuesday nights. And you might know one of them, Steve Brooks. Oh, yeah. The other one, and Steve plays here to this day, was here last night, as a matter of fact. And the other gentleman was Glenn Allen. And they used to have, so I kind of inherited a music venue, even though it was just once, one night a week. And that's really the seminal moment here because so much grew out of that. Musicians would come to see them. And then this uh, woman approached me shortly thereafter and said they had lost their venue, which is, you know, typical scenario these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were playing down here all the time and they've gone out of business. Could we come in and play? And we'll just play for food or tips or whatever. And I said, yeah, that's great. And she came in with two other women. One of those women happened to be Jan Seides. I don't know if you know Jan. And she came in with these two other women. At the end of the night, they had a really great time and were very well received. They're excellent musicians. I mean, that's the beauty of Austin. It's just you've got this plethora of, of great musicians. And they each approached me separately, kind of got me alongside. I go, I'd like to play here again. Can I? Can we set something up? And it kind of just blew up from there. They, Those three brought in other people, and they brought in other people, and it got to the point where we didn't have enough room, so we blew out the wall, and we took over another space next door, and the, the scene has grown in, in starts and fits since then, but it's really blossomed in the last few years. So, and, go ahead. Well, the, in in part to the fact that this uh, the gentleman sitting next to me Joel McCall, mm-hmm. he's really kind of 
brought it to another level. He puts a lot of time and energy. I cannot thank him enough for what he does uh, for the venue and what he's doing for the venue. We've, we're, we're kind of upping our game, and we're getting some uh, nationally recognized, you know, Grammy award-winning artists coming in here and playing in this really intimate environment. But I, I wouldn't. I tell people this all the time, and I tell Joel this all the time. If it wasn't for Joel, I probably wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't have the time. In, running a restaurant is enough of a worry. I, every, it's he's taken on the responsibility, and I give him, you know, all the credit in the world to where we are, why we're where we are, and where we're going. And that is just proof positive on how good your Reuben sandwich is. Thank you very much. I'll do Makes it, it I'll easy do it to, for a Reuben yeah. right there. Um, that and a place to play. So. You've been doing music for a while, but like you said, it's it's really upped. But you you talked a little bit about how the music scene had changed here in Austin and how it's gone to a different. Yeah, I, I'm not sure the word you're looking for, but I know where you're going with this. Basically, I've seen for a while Austin kind of talking out of both sides of its mouth. It basically wants to tout itself as the live music capital of the world. And on the other hand, they're doing things that are harmful to the venues and preventing more from opening and many from staying open. I mean, I could cite chapter and verse and examples ad infinitum ad nauseum, but the fact of the matter is we see a trend that places are closing. There are less places for musicians to play and actually make you know, a living doing what they do. But Austin still likes to claim that we're the live music capital of the world, but they're not patronizing their, you know, they're not being patrons to the art. They're, you know, putting it off on local businesses. And, I mean, we've seen in the last few years some really, really um, highly respected venues close. Mm-hmm. And uh, Threadgills is one of the first that comes to mind. But Art's Rib House. Yeah, Art's. And Art taught me a few good lessons. Um, just watching him, what he did, talking to him. Um, but, yeah, we, we unfortunately... We're trying to be, we don't want to be the last bastion. We would like to be something that's a trend. And I think the way we handle music could be duplicated by other other venues that aren't really, they're underutilizing their space in the evenings. And get some musicians in, feed them, give them a percentage of the door, you know, and, and let them take this. And, you know, from what I understand from the musicians, it works for them, you know, Especially those nights where they don't have those, you know, those big weekend gigs, you know, through the week. It just keeps people, and people want to play. I mean, that's the one, one thing I, about the musicians of Austin. I mean, they just want to play. They want a place yeah, to play, definitely. and they appreciate that. So. Well, it's an interesting aside to that. When I first started doing the booking, and I really, really appreciate your business acumen and the way you set it up, in that, uh, you are able to pay musicians for for playing, uh, and it's it's dependent on on what you bring in, okay? Uh, which is eminently fair. For the first several years while I was doing this, there was kind of a backlash in that musicians saying we should be paid to play. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a professional. I need to make uh, X amount of money per night when I set up. Being a musician and being a booking guy, I, I understand both sides of it. 
ultimately what it comes down to is, uh, you know, we will pay you. You, know, you you make money, and it is dependent on what you can bring in, but we're still here. And, and you know, speaking to that, the people that really do well here are the people that self-promote. They promote mm-hmm. themselves, yep. and that is basically they can fill the room. And, you know, we can get 70, 80 people in here, and it's it, it works out well for everybody because there's a tipping point for me. Most of the point is basically it takes care of these things that we spoke of. Uh, basically, covers my overhead, covers my food costs, keeps my employees employed. And then the rest of it, the balance of that goes to the musicians. And as long as it's working that way and, and the people that do self-promote bring the people in, it makes it work. It greases the wheels. So it's never been a, a profit center for me, a revenue generator. But it has really helped, you know, again, with those other those other areas. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes it easier just, you know, for me to run this business. So it has worked out in a sense. It's not totally – I'm not <clears throat> totally being altruistic, you know. It's, um, sure. But um, Greg and Joel will be happy to pro- provide consulting services to any uh, restaurant out there that's looking to bring live music in and, and see how it's done correctly. Actually, Greg will be happy to do that. <laughs> I'd be happy to do that. I do that, actually, uh, here and there. But one of the things I want to say, you know, before Joel came along, I had hired a booking agent, and we were guaranteeing people, and we were paying, you know, whether they brought anyone in or not. And there was no incentive for that those groups to promote. They could have played two doors down the night before, and then they come here, and there's nobody here. And uh, that was a... A wake, the wake-up call was when I saw, you know, we were we were bleeding red. I mean, the <clears throat> the booking agent wasn't doing anything to promote. The bands weren't doing anything to promote. And it was just at the end of it took me three months to figure out this is going nowhere fast, and I will be going nowhere with it all. So then we adopted this new method where we give them a percentage of the, the sales, feed them, and then there's a there's a tip jar out. And, it seems to be working because, again, this is this is years ago, and uh, we don't really have any issues with anyone that I'm aware of. That's well, that's true. That the hue and cry that I was bucking back then has gone away, and this has become, thanks to you, a kind of revered place for songwriters to play because people come here and they listen. Yeah, and, and one of the things I do want to stress is this is a singer-songwriter venue. People get to practice their tunesmith. They come here to play their music. You're not going to come here and, and hear covers. And, you know, I think people appreciate that there's so much creativity involved with coming in and playing music that is your music as opposed to going someplace where if you want to go hear covers, you're going to have to go somewhere else. I mean, these people are and honing their skills. I mean, and there are people, of course, that have been around so long. They've um, I mean, we've got some really great people lined up, and it's just I am in awe of the people that play here. So, and I, I'm I'm very grateful to the fact that they they do. And it's 
I don't want to use the word quid pro quo, but <laughs> the words. Well, it, but, the, but the fact is, it works for. It has to work for each, yeah. you know, for both parties, or it doesn't work at all. And and this has been one of those things. If you asked me 10, 15 years ago where we would be with this thing, I wouldn't have had any idea where where we are now. And we're on a we're on an upward trajectory. I mean, the kind of people we're seeing come through here, as I said, I, I'm amazed. That the quality and the of uh, and the pedigree of some of these people. When I when I if I'm not familiar with an artist, I look them up and I'm like, oh, whoa! And I mean, I'm, it's jaw dropping sometimes. Yep, definitely. So, what uh, kind of what drove you to seven days a week with the music? It just was a natural progression. We were running out. We were running out of days, and we had more people that wanted to play here. It was totally musician driven. And now there are days where we have two acts a night. I mean, wow. where we have somebody come and play it from 5 to 6.30 and then somebody from 7 to 9.30. We're, we're actually experimenting with that. Joel and I, are, we, uh, we met up recently and we're trying to figure out new angles, how to get more people in here and also reward the musicians more. We've, we've discussed where we may just have to start charging a cover at some point in time because that's what the musician deserves. And, and I, as I said earlier, I only afford, you know, budget so much, and I'm doing everything I can to support the musicians. So it might get to the point where we have, and we've talked about doing some, you know, online ticket sales and, and just promoting the But more. going for bigger name uh, acts. Sure, but, I mean, it's like you said, they have to promote themselves and say, we're going to be here. I mean, and that's going to that's gonna make it win for everybody. But I think ultimately that's self-promotion works in any field you're in. Right. And you really, you know, unless you hire a promoter. But I, And it, it's funny to me because I've seen musicians that are at various levels of that. And like Barbara, we had a few episodes ago. Yes, really gets that whole. Mm-hmm. Oh, she does. She promote herself. Does. And then there's others that they're like, well, I don't think I should have to promote myself. <laughs> and it's like. You're you're responsible for your own success. I agree, I agree. And again, as I said, in, in any industry, I think that the ambitious, the self promoters, um, those are the people that get the furthest. And and especially in a venue like this, this is we're not one of the you know what I would consider a major iconic venue in Austin. I like to consider us semi iconic. We're we're working towards it, but yeah, and again. It's, it takes a community, really. That's where we're going with this. You know, the musical community has to be supportive, and all the people that are coming out to be supportive. The businesses have to be supportive. And I really think that this could be a trend in Austin. I could, it could be a revitalization. If, if everybody, if not everybody, if more people got on board with what we're doing and how we're doing it, and I think we could see a resurgence of more venues, and if more business people could understand the upside of it, and, you know, just give it a shot. And I, I would, I just think there are too few venues and too many musicians. I mean, that's Austin, always been Austin's bane. Just, you know, too many people that are fabulously talented people and not enough places to play. All right. So now we're going to have a little fun. This is the fun part of our show where we get to ask you uh, questions about your time in Austin, what you think about different things, stuff like that. So, um, 
So to start with, um, what has been the biggest change you have seen other than traffic, the biggest change that you've seen here in Austin? Okay. The culture is changing. The culture in Austin is changing. When I got here, it was it was much more laid back. And just in in all every aspect of the of that word, whether it was you know restaurants. I mean, the restaurants were just kind of down home places. It was very provincial. Mm-hmm. You could get some good Tex Mex. You get some good barbecue. A couple steakhouses here and there. And now it's it's um, you never had to dress up. T-shirt got you in everywhere. And, you know, so the culture, and, and again, across all lines, whether it's the arts and business, I mean, it's, it's the boom. It's a much more vibrant place. Uh, I never bring up the traffic when I talk about, when I complain about Austin. you got to take the good with the bad. Right. No, and, and you're not the first person to touch on those themes that uh, – the, the culture really has been changing here, and it was a lot more accepting and forgiving before and um, more laid back, like you said. It was it really catered to a little slower pace of life, maybe. I, I agree. All right, so next, here's our really fun one. What is the weirdest thing, since they want to keep Austin weird, what's the weirdest thing you have seen since you've been in Austin? Oh, my. Where do you begin? I mean, there there are yeah, so sure. many, um, so many strange things. The Cathedral of Junk it used to be in South Austin. Oh yeah, that was one of them. Uh, my brother rented a house three doors down, and uh, I got to tour that place on a regular basis. Leslie, God rest his soul, Leslie. We had a place downtown, and Leslie, Leslie Fermer, um, the guy that likes to ride his bike. Up and down Guadalupe, wearing nothing but a—I don't even think it's a speedo. I think it's, it's just a thong. thong. thong and that's and thong it's, man. It's, exactly. You know, it's—it's yeah. uh, it's the people. You know, and and the people that built the cathedral. And then what happens? They—they want to condemn it. They want them to tear it down. I mean, this is again part of the cultural change. Um, but those are just a few things that just pass by my doorstep on a regular basis and the things that I would see. Um, we do need to point out that you are across the street from the Austin State Hospital. Yes. I don't really want to open that book. Okay. I mean, I can tell you some very interesting stories about some very interesting people that I've met, but I think that's uh, that's a bigger a bigger okay. story, and, and, and it's more... It has a darker side to that. So were they on a field trip, as they say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, you could, dep- you could uh, okay. have an entire episode of that one. All right. And uh, so if somebody were considering moving to Austin, what would be the one piece of advice you would give them? I would basically tell them to... Embrace the culture here, and and try to promote it. I mean, one of the things that I wanted to touch on when you asked me uh, an earlier question was, so many people move to this town, 
and they want to bring their culture. They want to imprint that on Austin. Now, I think that's all well and good to a degree, but when I came here and I wanted to make, I wanted to create something that was Austin-esque. This is, if you come into my place, you will definitely not think this is corporate or this is a California chain or this is something from even New York. It has an Austin kind of feel to it. It's in a, the building was built in 1913. I've got pictures of all the incarnations in the hallway and, you know, um, we try to keep it, um, it's, it, try to keep that flavor of, of Austin and, and offer things, um, Yes, we have a, our, our basic menu could be considered a New York deli style menu, but you know we it's it's a unique menu and it's a unique food. We make everything in house from scratch. And my whole thing was I did not want to try to imprint my culture from growing up in the Northeast on here. Just bring a little bit of it, but really immerse yourself in this culture. I kind of resent the fact that when people come here and, and want to make it like wherever they came from. Well, my I don't want to be too harsh or anything, but if you liked it so much there, well, you know, you can you can stay there, you know. And I'm not speaking t- to any particular geographical area. I want to make sure that's right. I don't want to it's 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 a worldwide thing. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're from East Bangweek or you know, Minnesota. Just, you know, you're here in Austin. Soak it up. Be part of it. Get weird. Yeah, no, I mean, that was one of the things when Joel uh, interviewed me, you know, and asked me that. I said, you wanted to move here for a reason, so why are you trying to change it? Right. You know, you saw something you liked, don't change it. And I, I agree. The only thing I would change if I could, which I can't, so I won't, is the weather. You know, it gets too damn hot. I'm just kidding. That's that's what I hear the most of, okay? That is really, you know, that's I don't mind the heat. I'm in a kitchen that's over 100 degrees any given day, so it doesn't really bother me. Yep. All right. Well, um, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit more about the deli and, and wrap things up for people. So um, tell us. Well, I, I think I kind of slid that in there, you know, on that last one. I didn't know if you were going to ask me that question. But um, my dad was the quintessential deli man, and um, I respected him tremendously when he, we opened this up when he passed. And it was partially because um, I wanted to pay homage to my father. I mean, and he was just, he was a great guy. I wish, you know, you, you could have met him, but that's how it all started. And I was like, it wasn't meant to be more than a part-time thing. I really didn't plan on it becoming my livelihood. I was doing something else at the time. I was continuing planning on continuing to do that, but then the deli became all-encompassing, and it just, kids on the way, and life happened, and it just, you know, I got sidetracked, but this has been my main track. So that's really how it how it came about. As I said, we take a lot of pride in what we do. You know, a lot of people say that, but I wonder how many people actually mean it, because it's a great soundbite. We take pride in our quality. But yeah, we make our, most everything here from scratch. Uh, we've got a great crew. Um, I've got, you know, in the restaurant business, when you have an, an average tenure of like six plus years, I've got one young lady who's been with me for 13, um, who was recently married. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, I've pretty much adopted her. Um, but we, we, it's a really family environment. And uh, people know when dad's upset, 
but I, I try to, you know, gentle, gentle hands. Anyway, that's really pretty much it. We just, you know, um, I really appreciate, as I said, where we're going, the music scene, trying to always improve on the food. And, you know, but it's become a part of me. I mean, I, I can't really separate myself from the business. <clears throat> so. I, where did the name come from? Um, I'm, I'm an Aldous Huxley fan. Okay. And it came from, uh, I was, I'd read Brave New World. I was thinking Brave New World Delhi, but somebody else had gotten the, uh, the DBA or something, Brave New World something. So I went with New World Delhi and that's a, this is something that came in a dream. I was waking up one morning and I was working on the business plan and the pro forma and all that and just kind of in that state of waking, not waking and I realized that the last letter of W was the first letter of world and the last letter of world was the first letter of Delhi and I realized I could save money on my neon if I just strung <laughs> it out together. Uh, you know, it, and plus, you could say it like the text, New World Down. New World Down, yeah. No, New World Down, that's right. All slides into right. one. So, um, and again, give us the uh, hours, and the, the music usually comes on about... Okay, yeah, we're, we're open seven days a week. We open at 11, and we close at 9, Monday through Saturday. Sundays, we're open from 11 to 5. As far as music goes, Monday through Saturday, most time it starts anywhere from 6.30 to 7. It's really musician dependent, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, think, I think we pretty much say we'd like you to start at this time. And, you know, some people, again, pretty pretty loose, but usually by 7 we're starting. And if they've got a really full room and they want to go, I don't really shut them down. But um, on, a, on Sundays, it's 2 to 5. And, again, we're talking about introducing some new shows on Fridays and Saturdays. And this, that may change. You can always go to our website. It's newworlddeli.com. And you look, punch the music button. One W, one D. One W, one D. There you go. And do you have a Facebook page as well? Yeah, and that's under New World Deli. That's, okay. We try to get everything. It's less confusing that way. I can't even remember sometimes. Wh- which one is that? Is that the one with, without the W? Or the, so so in the, any particular acts that you'd like to... Oh my! Give a shout out to yeah. Well, I, I I would be remiss if I started that down that road because there are so many great people. I Understood. Mean, the gentleman that's playing this evening is Danny Britt, and he's uh, he's just one of those special people. He brings something to this. Uh, you can always catch this one gentleman. He plays here at least once a month. His name is Joel McCall, and I'm, I'm especially fond. Is he of good? Yeah, I think he's pretty damn good. He's getting better. <laughs> you know what? And that is that is the God's honest truth. He, the more this guy plays, the better he gets. It's not that way with me. The older I get, the worse I get. But um, no, I, I mean, I could, I would just be. There's so many good talent. I would love to have them this list in front of me because we have, and it's such a diverse group. You know, we have some bands that play a kind of a South American sound like the Panama hats. And then we have the Studebakers. These ladies dress up in 40s and 50 period. Old swing uh, music. Oh, and they, oh, just, nice. they rock the house. You know, you had Barbara Nesbeth on here. She's a gem. Barbara Bergen. I mean, and again, tonight we have Danny. He's playing with that gentleman. John Ems. John Ems. And you can, you can look him up and I think you'd be quite impressed to see his. He's had several songs cut by Nashville artists. 
Yeah. I'll say Trish Earwood. Trish Earwood, yeah, Dixie Chicks. You know, not bad. <laughs> no, not bad at all. So, and again, Alex Harvey. Yeah, yeah Alex Harvey. He's a, that gentleman was very impressive. He played her a couple of weeks ago, and again, he's a Grammy Award-winning artist, and he was just one of the warmest, kindest guys, and he played for two hours straight without, you know, barely taking a breath, for God's sakes. I, I was yeah. just so impressed with his professionalism, and uh, he's back next week, mm-hmm. I believe, on the 8th. Is that correct? Yes, and starting next year, 2020... Uh, he will have a residency, I want to say the fourth Friday of every month. Well, I'm, I didn't know that, so, and I'm pleasantly surprised. But yeah, I mean, if you want to see who's performing here, you can call. Check out the website. Yeah, check, uh, check out the website. A lot of people call, but it's easier to check out the website, and that'll give you a, a, just a, a couple months in advance even. You can see who's playing here. But, uh, it's a work in progress, and, we're looking forward to what's, what's coming up. It's, it's really promising where we're going with this whole thing. And again, I tip my hat if I had one to Joel, but you can, you can imagine that I have a hat on. So I'm tipping it to you. Here we go. Thank you, boss. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, anything coming up that you want to promote? Uh, Alex Harvey. Okay. Uh, no, I mean your shows. <laughs> not my show. Yeah, I am actually playing on a week from this kind of second Wednesday. What would that be? Uh, the 13th. 13th, yeah. 13th. Friday the 13th comes on Wednesday this month. Wow. Are you playing in any other venues this Playing month? with Steve Brooks and Don Berryhill. And the theme of the show is, does this taste funny? And it's going to be all humorous songs. There's just been too much negative stuff going on, so we're going to go in the other direction. Well, I like it. I know... Uh, you could be quite glib. I don't know if you've known Joel's history. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you probably discussed that in one of the one of the last well, podcasts. Well, Steve Brooks is just, in spite of himself, absolutely brilliant. He is. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And so is Don Barry. You know, I've just gotten to know Don recently. Yeah. I mean, within the last year or so. Yeah. And uh, they 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 have the Humdingers. The Humdingers. The Humdingers, and they performed here recently. And Rose, Rose Gabriel. Yep. Yeah. That's, they're 18. Yeah. Oh, no, there's no doubt. Yeah. And But there's so many, there's so many of those here. It's really hard to, you know, put anybody in, in an order. They're just all massed up there at the top. Excellent. Well, I really want to thank you for sitting down with us um, and talking to us because, you know, we every week say this is where we're at, this is what we're recording, but it gives people some context now of what's going on here. And um, I really appreciate you hosting us. At, well, know, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I mean, I I do appreciate everything anyone does to promote the music here in Austin and the music in general and music here in particular. So we can't Thanks. ever get enough of that. Remember what we said about self-promotion. New World Deli, 4101 Guadalupe <laughs> Street. Where was that again? That was the New World Deli, 4101 North Guadalupe Street in the... Uh, Beautiful downtown Hyde Park, I like to say. Gives us a little bit of affluence. Yeah, excellent, great. Um, So we, you know, we probably will sit down and have you back again to uh, talk about your political aspirations at some point, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I have actually been asked by more than one person to run for some type of uh, official office here in town, which I've uh, 
declined at this point. But I'll tell you what, if things continue on the way they're going, uh, you're going to have a hard time stopping. Yeah. And hopefully I'll have more success than another restaurateur that uh, has run for office several times here in town. And uh, I, I don't, you know, we're, we're not going to... We're not going to speak badly of anyone, but, you know, yeah, I've been in Austin a long time, and as I said, I just want to keep it, maintain the culture, keep it weird, and, you know, I think that's a that's a great uh, platform to run on. I, I really don't think people are doing that these days. It's, it's all about growth and code next and all these really complicated things that people don't really either understand or don't want to hear about. It's just, you know, keep it simple. And I, that that would be what I would run on. It would basically be yeah, let's just keep. You know, if you like Austin, you can keep your Austin. <laughs> well, on that note, I think uh, we'll say goodbye this time and see you next time on the Trail to Austin.